Good morning, everybody. It's still a little bright for my morning eyes. We should be morning people, should we not? You know, there's a lesson in the Bible. As the Israelites came out of Egypt, before they got to Mount Sinai, God was teaching them a very profound lesson. He would rain manna down from heaven. At what time? In the morning. How early in the morning? Before the dawn. Why? Teaching them that they need to wake up early in the morning, get down on their knees, and seek the word of God and his guidance before they would start the day. Even Jesus gave us an example, did he not? The Bible says that early in the morning before the sun rose, even for a whole night, he would pray for the strength that he could be filled with the Holy Spirit, that he may speak the words that the people needed to speak. There's a story of a missionary, and I found it very profound and, and very fitting to the, to the message I'm going to present today. He was assigned a mission, in the missionary field, and when he got there, the, the, they were excited, and they started showing him around, and as they showed him around, they finally came to this car. They said, you know, this is going to be your transportation. And he was so excited. It was a very nice car. And, and he said, that's great. And they said, well, there's just one catch. It doesn't start. So he went over to the car. He looked at it. He saw it was a clutch. He figured, no problem. I could jumpstart this. So he got some guys to push the car. He got the car started and on his way. For six years. How, many, how long? Six years. He did this. Everywhere he went, he would park the car up on a hill or... Or if, he, if, there was no play, if there was no hill in the village that he was at, he would get some of the villagers to help him push the car so he'd go on his way. Well, at the end of the six years, his, his term was up and a new missionary was coming into the field. And he did the same thing. He showed the missionary around and, and, and then he comes to the car. And he says, well, there's one catch with the car. It's a great running car. It's been, it's been a, of service to me for six years. But it, you have to jumpstart it because it doesn't start. Well, this missionary, he did the same thing. He went around the car, he looked at it, he popped open the hood, he looked at the motor and got down on the ground and looked like he was fidgeting with some wires and comes up off the ground, gets in the car, puts the key in the ignition, and the car starts. We, like that missionary, need to be plugged in to Christ. The only source of power that we have is by abiding in Jesus. And that's my message today is abiding hope, abiding hope. Turn your Bibles with me, if you would, to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. You know, there's a lesson which we need to learn today. Because you know what, friends? Jesus is coming very soon. Amen. He's coming very soon. Amen. And so often we seem preoccupied with results. Isn't that true? Even in our Christian experience, we, we look at it, how well we pray and how well we study. But are we looking at Jesus Christ? You know, we keep our hearts and minds fixed upon other th- things. And, and our Christian experience is looking at our own actions instead of looking at Jesus Christ and his working in our lives. You know, we want guidance How many of us want guidance? But how many of us follow the guide? How many of us are going to the word of God looking for him to guide us? 
And it's so important for us to understand this because in order for us to abide in Jesus, there's no other way but to go through the Bible. Amen? It's only through the Word of God that we're going to have the source of life. We seek God as a giver rather than the gifts that He gives. You know, there's no special formula, no special technique to, to attain. The secret is that we need to abide by trusting and obeying Him. Let us bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Father God in heaven, we thank you so much for bringing us here this blessed morning. We ask that your spirit be with us today, Father, to guide us, that our hearts and minds may be lifted up to you, that all that we do will glorify thy name. Lord, we pray that you forgive us for our sins, that you cleanse us from unrighteousness, that you'll create in us a new heart and renew a right spirit within us. And within our heart, Father, you'll fill it with the transcript of your character, your law, that all that we do will bring glory, honor, and praise to your holy name. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, turn your Bibles with me to John chapter 15. Now in this, this chapter, Jesus is going to speak a parable to, the, to his disciples. Does anybody know what a parable is? I like to interact with the, with the people, so don't be afraid to talk. What is it? It's a parable is a story that illustrates a deeper truth. But using common things that are around us. All right? And that's what Jesus was doing here. And he goes on to say, I mean, what was Israel's main occupation? What were they? They were doing agriculture, growing vines, right? Grapes, right? Jerusalem was known for their, their, their grapes, besides being shepherds. And Jesus uses this illustration as what? A parable. He says, I am the what? I am the true vine. Can there be counterfeits? Yes, there can be. So how do we know which one is true and which one is not? How? Searching God's word. And by their fruit. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Right? And those who would follow Christ must believe in him and they must open their heart to receive him as an abiding guest. Jesus says in, in, in Revelation 3.20, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You know, Jesus has prepared a banquet table for us. Amen. But the key is, are you going to come in and sit with him? That he can dine with you and you with him. And Jesus was illustrating this, that he is the true vine. And the only way that we can be connected to him is by abiding in him. And he goes on to say, Every branch in me that beareth what? Not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth, forth more fruit. There's a vital union form between the parent stock and the branch. And the same fruit appears upon the branch that is seen upon the tree. Can you get apples from an orange tree? Yes, no? Praise God, right? But let me ask you something. If you're not connected to God, what kind of fruit are you bearing? Have you ever thought of that? Because the fruit that God is talking about bearing is the fruit of his character in you. Which tree are you connected to? 
And he goes on to illustrate that if you're not bearing the right fruit, what is he going to do? He's going to cut you away, and you're going to be thrown to the side and burned in fire. But if you're bearing fruit, praise God that he prunes the branches so you could bear much fruit. You get that? And by that process of pruning, our characters are transformed to be more and more like Jesus. And in verse 3, 15, it says, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. What does it mean to be clean? Washed. What did Jesus, what just took place a couple chapters before this? The washing. The, washing, the Passover, right? And what, was Jesus, what did Jesus do? He washed the disciples' feet. And he says that, that we are clean. But this word, what is it a symbol of, to be clean? Let's go to Ephesians 5, verse 26. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26. Keep your hand in John. We're going to go back there. Ephesians 5, verse 26. It reads, that he might sanctify and what? And cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. It goes on to say that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And what makes a thing holy? What makes a thing holy? The presence of God makes the thing holy. And how do we become holy? By abiding in Him, that His presence may abide in us. Amen? That's what makes us holy, is by being connected to Him and allowing Him to take control of our lives, because we cannot do anything on our own accord. Right? But this process of, of sanctify, being cleansed, Sanctification is the process of, that God says is that you're set apart for a holy use. And we need our hearts to be set apart for God. We cannot do this unless the Holy Spirit is working in us. And Hebrews, turn with me to Hebrews 10, 14. Hebrews 10, verse 14. In Hebrews 10, 14, it shows us a very, very, it illustrates it very well. Hebrews 10, verse 14. But you know, can you be sanctified without being justified? And I know that these are words that we're going to break down a little bit. But look at this. It says, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. By one offering. And what was that offering? Jesus. And what, how was that offering given? At the cross. That's what we call justification. And I'll break that down a little bit more in a moment. But through that process of being justified and sanctified. It is Christ working in us. Justification means that God looks at us and credits us with Jesus' life. And then when he, when he credits us with his life, he looks at us just as if we had never sinned. Justification is salvation on a daily process. Every single day we sin. Every single day we need to be justified by the blood of Christ. But every single day that we, we come to the Savior, thank God we have a Savior, amen? amen. In 1 John 2, 21, it says that if you sin, 
you have an advocate, the Savior. But what does that mean? Is that just a free ticket for us to sin? Or what was John really illustrating in that verse? What he was saying is that as Christians, when we come to Christ and we surrender our life to him, we may stumble and fall in our walk. But if you do stumble and fall, praise God, you have a, a, a Savior, the advocate, Jesus Christ. But it isn't a free ticket for us to sin and just keep sinning and say, well, Jesus is going to forgive me. No, Jesus says you have to recognize your sin because justification, you just don't get it just because Jesus died on the cross and you say, yes, Lord, I accept you. But you need to recognize that you need a Savior. And when you recognize that you need a Savior, you have to come to that cross and surrender that sin to him. And then you need to turn away from that sin. You following me? And when you turn away from that sin, you're baptized as a symbol of the washing away of that sin and the filling of the Holy Spirit, that grace is poured out upon you and you have the power of God to overcome sin in your life. Now you are justified. Amen? But it doesn't stop there because there's another part of the plan of salvation that needs to take place, and it's called sanctification. <clears throat> Excuse me. What is the purpose, purpose of sacrificing a lamb if you're not going to turn away from your sin, if you're really not? serious about your sin and forgive, forgiveness of sin. Have you ever thought of that? If you confess your sin and yet you're not willing to turn away from it, what is it? What good is it? What is the price that Jesus paid for you? In vain, right? Christ's life, salvation, sanctification is sal uh, the process of salvation that takes a lifetime. You follow me? And John 17, 17 says that thy, sanctify them through thy word, for thy word is truth. But let me ask you, what good is it if you have to study your Bible because you have to? What good is it if you pray because you have to? Or that you share your faith with others that are out there because you have to? What effect does it have for you? You see, being set apart for a holy use means that you have a love for the one who has set you apart. It means that you have a desire to read his word so that he could speak to you. It means that you have that loving desire that you want to speak to him. And because of that love overflowing in your life, you want to share that with others. Do you have that experience? Do you? Think about that. Do you have that experience with Jesus every single day? And how are we able to abide in Christ? Turn with me to Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2, verse 20. Galatians 2, verse 20. It reads, I am crucified with who? And what does that mean? What is Paul saying there? Paul is illustrating that he dies to self every single day. Can you, can you die to sin? How do you die to sin? Through Jesus Christ. If you're not abiding in him, you're not dying to sin. And Paul is saying that I am crucified with Christ, but nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but who? Christ liveth in me. Christ liveth in me. 
Yet it is not I, but Christ. Amen? Amen. Who lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me. Dying to self. As a severed branch, leafless and apparently lifeless, is engrafted into the living stock, and fiber by fiber and vein by vein drinks in the life and strength of the vine until it buds and blossoms and bears fruit, even so may the sinner by repentance and faith connect himself with Christ, becoming a partaker of the divine nature and bringing forth in words and deeds the fruit of a holy life. How many of you have ever worked with bonsai trees? Have you ever seen bonsai trees? It's a very unique tree, interesting, because you could take the tree and cut a, a, a slot in it and take a branch from another tree and put it in there and wrap it up. And a few months later, when you take the wrapping off, the branch looks like it's always been there and always has belonged. And you see, this is what Christ is doing with us when we abide in him. He makes us the sons and daughters of God. You know, many people may be adopted into a family. And you know, when you're baptized in an, in an, and you're transformed and converted, that's justification. Sanctification makes you like him. Amen? And when you're grafted in, he, he turns you into his child that when people look at you, they can say, that's a son of God. How do you know? Because he looks like him. He acts like him. Amen? Amen. And Jesus goes on to say in John chapter 15, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. And he goes on to say in verse 5, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He that abide in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. We have nothing, we are nothing, unless we receive virtue or value from Jesus Christ. And until our hearts are surrendered unconditionally to God, the human agent is not abiding in the true vine. Are you abiding in the vine today, friends? Do you want to abide in the vine? Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 30. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 30. He goes on to say that for we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bone. Where have you heard those words before? Spoken right at the Garden of Eden. Bones of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Friends, do you see what Jesus is trying to illustrate here when we abide in him? That his character will be manifest in us and that his purpose will be perfected in us as we surrender and abide our lives in him. Are you following me? Or is everybody still sleeping? Are you seeing what Jesus is talking about, about abiding? How can you, a dead branch, live if you're not abiding in the branch, receiving the life from the, from the stem? And in order for us to have life and have it more abundantly, you need to be abiding in Jesus Christ. And this is the hope that he gives us. Because he goes on to say, If a man abide in me not, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. But he goes on to say, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Because Jesus is there waiting for us. 
He's patiently waiting for us to come to him, that he can give us what we ask, what we desire for his will. So often we come to the Lord and say, well, Lord, this is what I want. And he says, no, I know this isn't what you want, but I'm going to give you what you need that I know that you want. And this is what Jesus wants from us, but he wants our whole heart, not just half of it. You know, so often I play a game with my kids and they say, well, Daddy, how much do you love me? How many of you parents out there and have ever had children ask you that? Have you ever played that game with them? How much do you love me? And I say, well, this much. Come on, Daddy, how much do you love me? Well, I love you this much. And, you know, I get it going until I get them going out the door. Right? But, you know, Jesus, when we asked him, how much do you love me? He demonstrated it at the cross when he says, this is how much I love you. And this is the same God that wants to abide with us. It's the same God who desires every single day for us to come and talk with him that he may abide in our lives. And he goes on to say, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, and so shall you be my disciples. Friends, you can't be a disciple of Christ if you're not bearing much fruit. And it's not talking about the people that you have led to the kingdom of God, but it's talking about your character, the character of God that's in you, that when people look at you, they want to seek him because they see the character of God in you that they have that desire and that love, the same love that you have for the Lord. That's what people are looking for today. People are perishing all around us because they're perishing because they don't see God. And we as a people, as Christians, as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, need to reflect the character of God in our lives Because what purpose is it for you to be called a Christian if you're not going to be like Christ? It's of no effect. And he goes on to say, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. Jesus is the source of our strength. He is the one that we need to abide in. Precious are the privileges according to him who abides in Christ. The mind of Christ dwells in his faithful followers. Are you, you hearing this? This is a quote from divine inspiration. The mind of Christ dwells in his faithful followers and their desires are in accordance with his will. Their petitions are in, indicated by his spirit and the only answer to their prayer for they ask for such blessings as he delights to bestow in. God wants us to be so connected to his love that the very things that we ask for are the very things that he wants to give us. And as we abide in him, he truly does abide in us. How many of you commit scripture to memory? Amen. I see some hands go up. Put this one on your list. Psalm 119.11. Psalm 119.11. Does anybody know what it says? Thy word have I hidden my, thy heart, my heart, that I might not sin against you. Have you hid God's word in your heart today, friends? Are you seeking all of his blessings in your life? In verse 10, it reads, If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in me, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in him. It brings to my my mind the verse, John 14, 15, what what does it say? If you love me, 
keep my commandments. Not because you have to. Is that what he said? But because you what? Love me. Friends, the relationship that God wants to have with us is a love relationship that he illustrates between the husband and a wife, that they become one, divinity and humanity uniting in the flesh. And that is a mystery of God, a mystery that is revealed in his people and will be revealed before he comes again. Because you remember the verse we read earlier, I'm coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. A church without spot or wrinkle. Brothers and sisters, we need to avoid even the appearance. What did I say? Even the appearance of evil. And in this time that we live in, there is no place to be safe unless you stand on your guard. And Jesus is coming soon, friends, and we really need to have the character of Christ so that it may be seen in all the world, that we may usher in the soon coming of our Lord. And my heart is in deep sorrow. You know, I work with people every day, and I see so many people that do not want God. You know, I was an atheist before I became, an, became a Christian, an atheist. People used to say, Chris, you need, to, you need to go to church. I don't need it. Chris, Jesus is coming. You have to get ready. I'll deal with him when he comes. That was my mentality. And today I, I see how dangerous that mentality was. But there are so many people in the world today that have that mentality. And they are dying because they don't see Jesus and people are not willing to go out to tell them. We have the gifts, like was sp- spoken about last night. We have these precious gifts, these treasures, but we do not well because we're keeping it to ourselves and not sharing it with others. And my appeal to you today is to pray to God that you may be converted, truly converted Christians. Paul Harvey and his team, how many of you know who Paul Harvey is? He's that that reporter says, now you know the rest of the story. Well, his team, they were looking through news to see what what kind of news that they they could present. And they came across this article in a local newspaper that was talking about this post office that was getting torn down. And as they were demolishing the post office, they were ripping up the floorboards, and they happened to come across this letter, stained yellow from age. And they looked at the name, and they looked up the person, but the person had been long past gone. Same with the one that it was addressed to. And they started looking at that, and they started wondering, what's in here? So they opened it up. And as they opened it up, eight simple words. I'll marry you if you want me to. I'll marry you if you want me to. And they started thinking, what in the world happened to these two people? Here's this man who's saying, I'll marry you if you want me to. And there's this woman on the other side of the country saying, waiting and anticipating that letter, that betrothal. She was looking to be engaged to this man. And no response. And they were wondering, did they, did they ever get back together? Was there another letter sent? What happened to this man? What happened to this woman? Did they die of a broken heart because of that letter? Friends, Jesus has sent you a letter. Have you opened it? Are you going to die from a broken heart? 
Don't you think that it's time for us to turn off the TV and turn on the B-I-B-L-E? Don't you think that it's time for us to turn off the iPod and turn on the prayer closet? Don't you think that it's time that we put away all the foolish reading, all the nonsense, and come to the Lord that we may abide in him? Friends, Christ has sent you a letter, an engagement letter, saying that I want to be married to you when I come again. Are you going to open up that letter and accept it? Are you going to look to abide in Jesus Christ? Are you willing and are you ready? I don't know many of you that are out here today, but there may be somebody here, somebody, who knows that they haven't been walking as they ought to have walked. They haven't been doing the things that they ought to do because their love for God has waxed and waned and is found wanting. If there's anybody that is like that, there's hope. There's hope for you today. And I'd like you to stand up if, they, if you are one of them, that we may have special prayer with you. Is there anybody? Amen. 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 Let us bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Father God in heaven, you see each and every precious soul that is standing here today that wants to be committed to you, re-consecrated, Father, that we may truly be converted and changed and transformed into your likeness and in your character, that we may reveal you in what we do and what we say and that our lives will be set apart for a holy use from this day on. Be with us, Lord. Watch over us, protect us and guide us and fill us with your Holy Spirit. Pour out thy spirit upon us without measure, O Lord. Create in us a new heart and renew a right spirit within us that all that we do will bring glory to your name. May you bless us with your wisdom, your knowledge, your understanding, your power, your strength, your courage, and your boldness to stand upon the rock of our salvation, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that all that we do, we may lift up Christ in our lives and that your name may be glorified. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.